are you listening to? You're listening to the Get to Know Podcast. What's happening, people? This is Liam, and you're locked into the Get to Know podcast. If you're listening right now, big up yourself. I appreciate you. Shout out the first time listeners, the regular listeners, everyone following on the socials. Also, a special shout out to all the people sharing the posts. It doesn't go unnoticed. Massive big ups. Also, a big shout out to all the people that have checked out the first set of Get to Know Visuals. My interview from last week with Connor Walker. Check that out if you haven't already. You know what? Um, yeah, this is the longest I've gone without a trim, so it's probably not the best timing to start showing my face on YouTube. <laughs> I don't think I have a face for radio, but right now I probably do have a trim for it. But yeah, 2021, no trims. We move. Now, my guest today is someone that is a very big character. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I remember seeing this guy and straight away I took a liking to him. I saw him on TV and I was like, yeah, I'm rooting for this guy. So now it's kind of mad that here he is on the podcast a couple of years after I'm watching him. He made his name by going on The Apprentice. You know, he. Uh, everyone took a liking to him because he was so relatable. You know, he's a fun guy, but not a mushroom, <laughs> like he said. <laughs> My man even wrote a freestyle after he got fired. Like, what, G? <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> but yeah, man. From series 14 of The Apprentice, I have Coyote Damali. You're going to enjoy this one. What's happening, guys? It's the Get To Know podcast, and I am joined by Coyote Damali. How you doing, Coyote? I'm good, Liam. How are you? Yeah, really well, thank you. Mate, I'm really excited for this, so, mate, a huge uh, thanks for coming on to the show. It's a, honestly a privilege for me. Now, pleasure, pleasure. Happy to come. Yeah, mate, it's crazy. Like, you're someone that I watched on TV, and now here we are having a conversation. So, yeah, man, this, this should be good. <laughs> One of them ones, yeah. I hear you, I hear you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mate, uh, when, when I first saw you on The Apprentice, yeah, well, like, uh, the first clip, I'll get into this probably a bit later, but I was like, yeah, I want this guy to win, like, honestly, straight away, man. Oh, so, thank you, thank you. Big up, son. All right, so lockdown, um, an end is. Uh, potentially in sight but have you found it because i know you're big into your fitness so uh, what's it been with <laughs> yeah. gyms and that sort of thing i mean, well, touching on the fitness fitness aspect to begin with i mean obviously gyms the last time i went to the gym other than when the lockdown happened i think it was march i'm thinking damn when am i gonna go to gym again like you know we couldn't foresee when we had a session but then for me i was always trying to see what can i what can i get from this so even though i couldn't go to the gym i got really much into my calisthenics okay and so like the first time i really did an exercise i don't know if you're aware of an exercise called a muscle up no nah, um it's a and for anyone listening or watching it's basically a pull up but you pull yourself over the bar and then you kind of do a tricep dip at the top of it 
And the first time I was able to do one of them was in Tobago. I'm from Trinidad and Tobago. Contrary to popular belief, a lot of people say, Coyote and Nigerian, no, I'm from Trinidad and Tobago. Just get that out there. So um, the first time I was able to do a muscle up was actually in Tobago in 2018. And I haven't been able to do one since. And because of lockdown in March, I was like, right, can't go and train in the gym. So let me just train in the park, like, you know, like on the, on the, on the play area in the park. You know, sorry, kids, but, you know, it's time for you to train now. <laughs> And um, yeah, and I, was, and I was able to do another muscle up. So that was the first time I did a muscle up in two years. And that's because of the gym shop. And then fast forward now into 2021, I'm able to do like the flag. I can even flag now, which is crazy. I remember watching people flag when I was like 15, like a teenager thinking, damn, how do they do it? But because of since lockdown, just training in the training, because I can't train in the gym, just been doing calisthenics and yeah, been able to do some exercises now. Yeah, I saw that video of you doing the flag. I was like, rah, okay. I, I rated it still. And I was in the snow as well. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> All right, man. So uh, to kick things off, we're going to get into the quick fire round. So I'm just going to ask you a series of questions mm-hmm. and you just give me your preferred option. All right. Yeah. Okay, sweet. So firstly, English or maths? Maths. Messi or Ronaldo? Ronaldo. Films or TV series? Films. Xbox or PlayStation? I'm not, I don't have either, you know, but PlayStation. I grew, up, I grew up on both, but PlayStation. Oh, it's quick, sorry. Yeah, PlayStation, PlayStation. Yeah, that'll make take as long as you don't. <laughs> All right, so next one. Cats or dogs? Cats. Apple or Android? Apple, Apple. Nike or Adidas? Nike. Kanye West or Jay-Z? Jay-Z. Biggie or Tupac? Tupac. Spider-Man or Batman? Batman. Go Batman. Instagram or Twitter? Uh, Twitter, Twitter. Winter or summer? Summer, summer. And finally, what is your favourite holiday destination? Oh, it depends. I've been to a lot of places. Is this, is this another quick one? Oh, sorry, I'm not being quick. Um, Go into as much detail as you want here. I'm intrigued. Uh, you know, it is a, you know, I, I, I'm the type of guy, I never like to go to the same place twice, innit? So even if I have got a favourite place, I'm unlikely to go there again because there's, what, 198, 200 countries give or take around the world. Like, I don't want to, there's more to see, do you know what I mean? But if I had to pick, if I had to, and it depends, because when you're on holiday, it depends who you're with. Yeah. That makes or breaks it. Do you know I, mean? I can take, I can have holiday to Cornwall. No disrespect to anyone from Cornwall, but if I'm with the right people, I'm having a better time than if I went to Miami, which I've also been to Miami. I will go Miami, then I'll just say Miami, because Miami had a sick time in Miami. Nice. How many countries have you been to? I don't know numbers wise, but I feel like most places where people say they've been, I've been, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Most, apart from, I haven't really done the Asia's. So I think my next destination, I want to go to the Asia's, like Southeast Asia area. I know a lot of people like in, like in their teens, 20s, that to do the, you know, backpacking around Southeast Asia. And I would fancy like, you know, going to Bali yeah. and, but I've done most of the westernized, if you want to call it places, if you want to call it that. Nice. All right, so, Cody, can you talk to me about kind of growing up and the path to you becoming a professional speaker? Yeah, sure. Feel free to interject at any point, but I grew up in Catford in southeast London. That's where I grew up. Um, and then, I mean, to cut a long story short, if you want to ask me anything specific, I eventually went to university in Manchester Met. And um, the reason why I had to go to university that far away is because I failed college. So I went to college originally in southeast London, Grew up in South East London, but due to, you know, being not the best student at college due to a certain aspect of life, I was heading down, which I'm not on anymore. 
I didn't do well at college and the only university that accepted me was Manchester Met. So it's either go 200 miles up north or to stay with the man them quote unquote in Southeast London, chose to go away. And um, so I kind of, there I kind of just recreated myself, you know, no one knew me. I didn't know anyone else. I could be who I wanted to be at the end of the day. And ever since, even before that, ever since I was in school, I always had this natural tact for speaking. And it was even more amplified when I did go to university, you know, like hosting shows and, you know, being that guy, you know, talking in lectures. You know, every presentation did that in uni, I probably got like 90 plus, but even till now, I probably still hold the record for having the highest presentation marks at MMU. You know what I mean? So then as soon as when I finished my time at university, I became elected vice president and governor of the university. So I was still around, I was like a, I was like a bad smell. Do you know what I mean? I graduated, but I'm still there, vice president, governor. And I was also elected a director for the National Union of Students, you know, being the NUS. And again, these are very much speaking roles, especially when you're vice president, you're very much speaking roles. And then when I finished my terms in office, there's still a natural demand on me, people wanted me to speak. And um, along that, around that time, I was doing BBC stuff as well. Like, you know, I remember I think my first time doing a BBC, being live on the BBC, I should say, was like 2000. So even way before The Apprentice, you know, we're talking like 2015. And just naturally me just wanting to do things publicly speaking, just naturally people just ask me, oh, can you come speak here? Can you come speak there? So it's quite an organic process really from being in Southeast London towards where most people saw me on The Apprentice. Mm. So where were you intending to go to uni? So initially, you know what it is? I applied for all like South. Like, I never really left London, do you know what I mean? Where about you? Where are you from? Birmingham? Uh, Wolverhampton. Oh, Wolverhampton. Oh, yeah. shouts out to other Wolves people still. Shouts out to Wolves still. I like my people Jeez. Wolves still. Um, but I initially only wanted to go to unis in, in around London. I never really. No disrespect to anyone else in the UK. I just thought like the world revolved around London. Not even just in London, I just thought it was South. Like Southeast, I just thought that we were just where everything happened. So I only applied for unis like your Brunels, which is what North London. Um, I applied for some down South, like the Portsmouth and the Bournemouth. I thought I stayed down South, you know, South was where it is for me. And unfortunately, I didn't get the UCAS points. I had to go for clearing. And the only place that sent me through clearing was MMU. So how did you feel about going so far away? At first, I didn't, I didn't like it. Um, I didn't like it at the time because just before going to university, my girlfriend at the time broke up with me. And I, you know, you know, it's like when you're 18, you just think you're. I don't, wanna, I don't want to sound cheesy, but the love of your life at the time with a person who you, you really like, you just think that's your everything. So when she broke up, I was like. Right, so I'm moving away from London. Not only was I felt a bit heartbroken, but I was also a bit homebroken in the sense mm. I'm not around anyone I know. And like I said, I never really left London. So I mean, I, I was used to growing up in South London, seeing beef on the streets. Now I've seen beef in the fields. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I see, I'm used, I used, to, I used to seeing like rabbits on your plate. Now I'm seeing rabbits on my way to lectures. Like what, what is this kind of thing? So there's a big culture shock like that. But eventually it was probably the best move that ever happened to me because Everyone, not I not say everyone, but 90% of the people that I rolled with in London went to jail when I was at uni. You know, right. my, one of my one of my co-defendants from when, when we were um, 16, when we, we, caught, we caught a case when we were like 16, he, he went to jail. You know, he's, he's smashing it now in life. So if, he, if he's listening to this, he knows he's killing it. He's killing it now. You know, you don't, you're passing to find your future. But it makes me think that if I stayed and if everyone I rolled with or 90% of the people I rolled with ended up in jail, where would, where would I have been? So. It, whether you want to call it the universe or God's grace or however you want to label it, I, I I got told to move. You know, I couldn't change the people around me, so I had to literally change the people around me. And that kind of helped. 
Don't let that go. Don't, don't let that go on any. Don't let that go over anyone's head. If you can't change the people around you, change the people around you. Wait, dropping pause. gems Maybe already. Maybe you need to pause it. You need to pause it on that. Still pause it. Rewind if you need to. <laughs> so you said you kind of reinvented yourself at uh, uni. So how would you have compared the person that went there to the person that left there? Hit me with that again, because that was interesting still. Hit me with that question again. Sure. So you said you reinvented yourself when you went to university. Mm. So what are the differences between the person that started MMU to the person that left MMU? Mm. You know, I've done a lot of podcasts, a lot of interviews, and no one's ever hit me with it like that, you know? Like, that's a, that's a great way to put it. So what, how did I arrive until how I left? I think for me, it was just a case of doing what it is that I wanted to do without the, not necessarily fear, without, without caring what people around me thought, in the sense that when I was growing up in South East London, like you, you almost wanted to like fit the narrative, fit, fit, play your, play your position, do you know what I mean, within your, within the people you rolled with, you kind of just wanted to just play that position. And I wasn't necessarily a free spirit growing up in South, in the sense that I just rolled with the same guys every week. Every, yeah, I mean, it's just that. But when I went to uni, I was in everyone's circle. Yeah, I mean, you, you might be having lunch, you, you get knocked on the door, hello, it's Coyote there. Do you got know I mean? I didn't really, I wasn't kind of, I wasn't, I wasn't fit into any mold. And because of that, I was kind of in a lot of different circles, a lot of different pockets. So when it came to running in the election, I got votes from many different, in many different circles of people. So I think that's one of the main things, and just doing things without, just doing things with reckless abandon, not not careless, but yeah. just not caring as such what people thought because you no one knew me before 18 you didn't know what my life was like on road or before that do you know what i mean so it's like i didn't i was fresh do you know what i mean i was, I was like i just came out the womb do you know I mean i didn't know any better like it was a, literally a fresh chance nice so uh were you always you know such a confident person I want to say yes and I want to say no. The reason I say no, because let me give you this example. I remember I got my first job at 16. My first job at 16, it was at Charlton Athletic Football Club at the, at the, at the stadium shops. I'm sure in Wolves, you've got the you know, in every football club, you've got the, the shop at the stadium, if that makes sense, right? Or is it the club the, the club, club shop, shop where you buy like Yeah, shirts yeah, yeah, where you buy shirts yeah. and you buy merchandise for, and it's yeah. on match days, you know, it's like on match days. Right? Yeah, yeah. And the reason I say it, I thought I was confident the whole time but let me give you this example. Like, I remember one time they said to me, like I think it's my first time they said, you know, match day, does Charlton Stadium might have a 30,000 um, capacity, not huge or whatever it is. I don't know what it is at the top of my head. So imagine that many people coming into a club shop at half time or basically a large number of people at once. And I remember they said, oh yeah, put this, um, put this shirt on one of the mannequins. And I was thinking, yeah, this is light work. My first, my first role, you know, put a shirt, put an arm, put a, put a head, do you know what I mean? And I saw all the people coming through the door. I was like, I was like, no, this is mannequin challenge right now. I just stood and froze like a mannequin. <laughs> I did mannequin challenge way before mannequin challenge came out. I was like, no, I ain't doing this. They're like, they're like, haven't you got anyone on the shop floor? They're like, where's Coyote? I'm freezing, do you know what I mean? So um, with confidence, I think it's a situational thing because I was confident at 16, but I think it's a case of um, in that situation, it threw me still. But generally speaking, I have been confident. Nice. So you've become, you know, the director, sorry, the director of the National Student Union, uh, sorry, NUS, and, mm. and also vice president of your uni. So what do you think having positions, you know, of such power 
um, at a young age? What do you think that did for you, um, both uh, professionally and personally? I think it's been, um, I think it's been a bit of both, you know. I think it's, <sighs> the reason I say I think it's hit me in two ways. Firstly, it's given me unreal confidence in the sense that I've done certain roles, I've been in certain positions, I've been in board, I've been in boardrooms before, before the apprentice. You know what I mean? So it's given me a bit of confidence in that sense. But at the same time, I think it maybe hasn't done too well for me in the sense that. I find it hard to, you know, in life, you always want to be pro- progressing going forward. So, you know what I mean? You always want to be kind of doing better and doing better for doing better. But when you feel like you've kind of hit a peak so young, it's like, right, I don't want to go, but I, I've just been a director here. I've just been doing this. I just want to do that. I don't want to go backwards. So in a way, maybe it's giving me that confidence, but now it's maybe at the same time, it's like, right, I don't want to settle for anything less. That's why as soon as I finished my terms in office, I was like, right, I need to have my own business now. I can't just go and, um, do X, Y, or Z at X, Y, Z company or whatever. So yeah, so that's what that's one of the things why I got into business. I was like, right, I need to. You can't keep your status as director. You it's your term. It's a two-year term or whatever. I was like, right, I like I like it. I like I like the, you know, go somewhere. Oh, expenses. You know, you handling your expenses. Not on you. Know what I mean, like you get used to it. Even coming off your apprentice, you get used to it. You know what I mean? You get runners bringing you food and that. Oh, oh, my runner bringing me food during this interview. Do you know what I mean? But. So I guess that's one of the reasons why I decided to go into business. I guess I wanted to continue that way. So what's the next step once you've finished your terms in office? So yeah, once I finished my terms in office, straight business. So 2014 started, no, sorry, 20, I kind of started alongside, if that makes sense, essentially. Like, you know, setting the foundation, essentially. But when, when I finished my term in office 2015, it was full steam ahead. Do you know what I mean? Because I finished in 2014 at vice president. And from then it's like, I, I didn't have a backup plan. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's either this or not. Because the other role as director, that's a voluntary position. You know, so I wasn't paid doing that role. Expenses and all of that, great, but I wasn't paid doing that. So when I finished in 2014 as vice president of the student union at MMU, it's like, right, this business has to work. You know, some people say that, I, some, I used to follow the belief that when you start a business, you know, burn the boats. You know, if you want to go, you know, Tony Robinson says it best. If you want to go and take the island, you know, bring your army, burn the boats. You know, there's no way you're going back. You're going to have to storm this island or die, do or die. Now I kind of have a bit more relaxed view on that viewpoint. But at the time, that's the viewpoint I had as I read. I'm going to have to smash this. I was doing events business at the time. I'm going to have to smash this, do or die. Because I literally had no backup plan. I knew that. I had a choice to rerun in 2014 to be vice president again for another year, but I chose not to. So every so in that March to July, I had like three months left. Every week that goes past is like, right, there's no, once July comes, I'm done. I'm in April now, once July comes, I'm done. I'm in June, once July comes, I'm done. May, I'm in May now, I'm in May. I'm in May, once July, do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it's like... So it's like do or die, I had to make it happen. And I think I said the months in the wrong way. I know it's April, May, June. I said April, June, May, but anyway, that's okay. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, so talk to me about, you know, doing pursuing speaking after, you know, after you finished your terms in office and how the speaking career uh, developed. I think, again, it's just been very organic. It's been very organic in a sense that one of the first major speaking I did was as, as vice president at the graduation that year. I saw that speech. That, what? I killed you, it. You saw that. It, yeah, yeah. Uh, when you, you, you don't need a back. 
<laughs> you oh. were given um you were given like kind of a, a script to go by weren't you but you oh, were kind you know of the back, like oh you, you know oh you know the backstory to it how did you find that out <laughs> um i just did my searching man like, i was on youtube um and then i just yeah, had, a, had yeah. a bit of a, re- a bit more research yeah yeah so yeah basically they gave me the script and i was like man i ain't, I ain't reading this script like they gave me, i can't you know what it is i'm not very good at reading aloud <laughs> Like, I, I'm a good people, I'm not really good at reading from a text, do you get what I mean? So, yeah. I, the script, I was like, they, I think they might, might even email me the script before. I'm like, I ain't reading this script. I'm just gonna go up there and freeze and do my, just do my thing, do you know what I mean? So, every, every word I'm saying, I'm looking over to the vice chancellor, like, oh shit. I'm not sure. <laughs> He's looking at me like, Cody, this, this don't look like the script. Like, this ain't the script you gave us. But then I got kicked out of the next, I was supposed to do two graduation speeches that day based on their script. But after I did the first one, they're like, nah, sorry, we're not having you. Oh, I swear. So, yeah, I got kicked out. Then there's a massive backlash in the university because all the all the um, lecturers are like, what? So all these years, the person doing the graduation speech has been given the speech. It's not their actual words. So I kind of like, I, I kind of opened a can of worms by mistake because <laughs> everyone thought the person doing the speech, that was their speech until I just did my own thing, then get kicked out. So did I? Like, I'm, I'm shocked that you, I was shocked that you even got given a speech. And I was just thought, surely like as the director, or sorry, as the vice president, like it would be your words. Like, I didn't imagine oh. someone would be telling you what to say in, in that instance. So now every graduation at MMU since then, anyone's, they, they got to thank me for, for now that they're allowed to do their own speech. Because from 2014 prior, <laughs> it's always been a speech given to you. But from 2015 onwards, you're allowed to do your own thing, so I guess I kind of set the precedent there. Oh, that's a sick legacy, man. Mm. Oh yeah, that's what we're going. Yeah, so how? Yeah, so so since then, so obviously that picked up of that didn't get obviously didn't go viral or nothing like that, but it kind of demonstrated my speaking skills on a massive stage. What's that? Four thousand, five thousand people were in Bridgewater Hall in Manchester that day, and coupled with the fact that I'm doing a speech in front of that many people when I'm not supposed to, so that you know that again showed confidence to do that. So then. Following that, my my supervisor for my for my final year dissertation and my lecturer, R.I.P. Nick, you know, great guy, R.I.P. He brought me back the next year because I did very well in my dissertation. I think I got like ninety something percent or something crazy like that. I got invited to, I got published essentially. Um, I got published. Yeah, I was studying the effects of motivational videos on our self beliefs, and I was studying. Everyone knows it now, but Eric Thomas, like I was studying Eric Thomas literally for my degree. You know what I mean for my dissertation. So I got invited back to host a conference of where of the, of the of the paper I got published. And then so that's you know you've got all of the greatest you've got kind of like all of the greatest um, final year students presenting their research from around the country. It's called the British Conference of Undergraduate Research. They got all of the great from everywhere from even I think even including the Scotland universities all the way down to your Southampton. So the great dissertations that year all come together for a conference and I kind of hope I kind of um did the keynote for that so bear in mind I'm speaking in front of universities from all around the country so I'm kind of marketing myself in there I, I just I was just excited to speak like the fee what I got given then I look back and I laugh I got gas on the fee I got paid to do that now I look back I wouldn't even get out of bed for that now but <laughs> I was kind of speaking in front of all of these different universities and then from that some of them got in contact with me you kind of get what I mean? So it just yeah. naturally kind of snowballed like that. And then I got onto the BBC in 2015. Again, I'm just, I'm just gassed to be on the BBC just speaking. But then from that, you know, the phone started ringing metaphorically, if you want to call it that. So it's just kind of like a natural progression. And then even think people from the BBC would say, can you come here? Can you come there? So it came natural like that. Then I eventually made my way to the Professional Speaking Association. Um, 
I've got up in a, I've got the second, I mean, I'm now, they got a, they got like an entry level and I'm a professional level and a fellowship level. So I'm on the second level of that. And also a member of the Global Speaking Federation, that's the GSF. So it's kind of just been a natural progression, really. I kind of always kind of struggled to answer this question. It's like me asking you, how do you learn to walk? You know, you just kind of did it. Do you get what I mean? It's like, yeah. You're listening to the Get To Know So uh, talk to me about how you were kind of listed as one of the, t- the top 10 most powerful young entrepreneurs. Yes, yeah, so that was in, I remember that, I was in, well, the house I was in at the time, this is in like 2017, so years ago now, I remember watching, I think it was the Euros, it might have been 2016, I distinctly remember the Euros were on, like I don't know what, what Euro, I can't remember what country the Euros were playing, I can't tell you who was playing, I remember watching the Euros, and you know when you're watching football, right, and you just have your phone on Twitter, Good thing I said Twitter to your quickfire question, actually. Yeah, so I was on Twitter at the time, not Instagram, <laughs> I was on Twitter. And, um, you know, it's like you get, you get a, what do you call it, a mention or, or a notification come through. Yeah. goes, congratulations, Coyote. You are now listed top nine of the top 100 most powerful young entrepreneurs in the world. I was like, huh? Where, where's this come from? I'm tweeting about Ronaldo or whoever's playing, on, playing football. And I screenshotted it and I shared it to my not followers at the time, but I shared it to the people I had on Facebook and Instagram and, the, you know, the, the, the following, I guess, I had at the time. I said, yo, what is this? Is this legit? Everyone's like, yo, congratulations. Da, 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 da. And then, yes, and that's how I got put onto it. That's how I found out. And the reason I was on it, yeah, so could of my speaking business and my events business at the time I had a letting service. So yeah, I got, I came in at number nine. It's not, I was in the top 100 of the top, or the most powerful young entrepreneurs in the world. And I came in at number nine. And I stayed in there until, you know, that's up until 25. And then, you know, I stayed in there the whole time. And there's been some great entrepreneurs on there, like Stephen Bartlett is one of them. I think he was number one for the majority of the years. I'm not sure a lot of people know who Stephen is. And yeah. So who published that list? So it's the company that did that called Richtopia. Okay. So they also have one, um, it's like the Forbes. It's like a, it's like, it's like a BTEC Forbes, if you want to call it that. You know what I mean? So it's not as great as Forbes, but no disrespect to Richtopia. But they also got a... Um, they got their equivalent of the top 100 most influential British entrepreneurs, not not with an age cap. So you got people like Branson on there. You, you might have even got Sugar on there. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So what did that do for you? Like seeing yourself on that list? The reason why it kind of gets you because every week you get you get, you move. Do you know what I mean every week you, your position changes depending on I don't know how they how they measured it specifically, but every week you might get a notification. You moved up to. What did I peak? I might have peaked at number six or five, what my peak, but the lowest I dropped was maybe like 19 or 20. I was like, no, nah, man, like it made me motivate. Like, no, nah, events, like the next events need to bang. The next events need to bang. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But the majority, I think on, I stayed within the top 10 mostly. I think my lowest was maybe 
19. I was in the top 20 majority of it. You know what I mean? But it just gives you that, again, that belief. And of course, when you're marketing yourself as a speaker, to be able to say that you're the top 10 or whatever, it just gives you, it carries you a bit more weight. Yeah, Along with the fact was, that was a director here, vice president there, just adds to your um, your speaking CV, if you want to call it that. Mm. I guess it's sick as well because it shows that you're being noticed as well because you're just going about your business mm. but then you're getting this recognition. You, I'm sure you don't even imagine that people are watching you like that. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's surprise. It can be a surprise. You know what I mean? It can be a surprise. It can be a surprise but it's a blessing, definitely. All right. So I want to get on to The Apprentice but I know that wasn't your first TV appearance. There's a certain show that aired on uh, the 7th of January 2017. <laughs> you're a funny guy, Liam, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. So, talk to me about that. Yeah, so, um, again, that was in 2016, so it must have been July 2016. Again, through Twitter, I'm there chilling, chilling. I wasn't watching Euros this time. I don't know what I was watching. I might have been watching SpongeBob, but it definitely was not football related. <laughs> and I've got another tweet come through. Hi, Coyote. Where filming come down with me in your local area, we would love for you to come on. And I'm thinking, again, I'm thinking, is this legit? I think there's a theme here, do you know what I mean? Keep your Twitter DMs open. <laughs> so that, again, I saved the same routine. I screenshotted it, pull it out to my people on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm like, yo, guys, is this legit? <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Is this legit? Yo, Kyle, you've got to do it. Da, 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 da. I was like, man. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm a man of the people, do you know what I mean? The people want me to do something. I'm a man of the people. Come on, I'm a man of the people. So I was like, right, I'm going to have to go and come down with me. But now here's, here's the caveat. Here's the twist. I'm due to fly to Turkey in a few weeks, you know, I was due to fly to a wedding. Ironically, they're not even married anymore, but yeah, I'm due to fly to a wedding in a couple of weeks. And I'm there in Turkey, yeah, I'm, I'm doing these, I think Zoom wasn't even really popping back then, but I'm doing Skype with the Channel 4 people, like, I'm like, yo, I'm in, I'm in Istanbul right now, do you guys really want me to come out and feel come down with me? They're like, yeah, man, we want you to come, I'm like, alright, I'm like, alright, alright, then cool. At the time that I was in the, um... I was in one of the houses that I was, remember I had a, I had a, rent, I had a, a letting service. I'm in one of the house, I, I wasn't there that summer because I was in Turkey, but I had one of the houses, I was staying in one of the houses that I managed and we had no kitchen. There, there's nothing, I'm trying to say to these directors, I'm look, I'm happy to do it, but you got bear my, I have no kitchen. Do you know what I mean? I have no kitchen. So I'm, think, things what people don't realize about me and come down with me. I had no kitchen. I had no chairs, no plates, no nothing, and I'm in Turkey. And you know what? You know how TV is so nuts. Yeah, the directors are trying to make me have my cooking meal on the day I get back. But I'm doing, I'm trying to say to them like, look, I can't do it. I've got no kitchen. You have to make me. You know, I come down with works, right? I have to be the last meal, or at least one of the last meals, because it ain't happening. So I got back to the UK. I flew back into London. Got in my car. I'm having to drive back up to Cheshire now, thinking, yo, please hear the kitchen's done. Please hit like. I'm, ple- I'm hoping, these time we started filming the first night, second night, my kitchen's still being done, I'm thinking, man, so we got, so thankfully the landlord who I, who I work with doing the, doing the properties, like he, he was, he worked very hastily with me to get it done, you know, so get the cooker in, get the tap, get it all ready, do you know what I mean, so then yeah, then I had my day, I think I was day three of the four, and then yeah, just cooked, made it happen, or at least tried to. Did you uh, fancy yourself as a bit of a chef before going on that show? Yes, yes, yes and no. Yes, because I make it happen in the kitchen, just being naturally from the Caribbean, I guess you just you just make it happen. It's just, you know, when we when we sprinkle seasoning, we don't have to measure out one teaspoon. No, you just keep sprinkling to the ancestors. You keep going until, you know, you wait for <laughs> yeah. the ancestors to, to stop. Do you get what I mean? You just wait for the spirit of, of you wait for the spirit of, of Yara Santua or someone to tell you to stop what you're doing. Do you get what I mean? So it's like, we just naturally just have the knack. So, um... 
Hey, but of course, I didn't do that well. Like, I didn't do that well on the show itself, man. I came last. Still, I came last. But people don't know the backstory. Like, I remember I had no food. I had, I had no, I had no place. I had to get my neighbours to run around. I'm like, look, we need to source a table in the next by tomorrow. I need to get, I need to get plates. I need to get. So yeah, man, I was really, I wasn't pre- as prepared. But then that's how they do it on TV. They like to catch you on your toes. Still. Hmm. What did you cook? Uh, what did I cook now? Um. Uh. What am I? What am I hesitating? So, oh, fam, I can't even remember. So, oh, so the start, I had something like. Prawns and the reason I'm even more hesitating, I don't even eat meat anymore, but I'm sure it's still meat based. So I'm, I cooked um prawns, garlic prawns in like a butter sauce for starter with um bread. Then for the main, I did so I was eating chicken. No, I wasn't even see, I wasn't even eating chicken at the time, but I still made them chicken, you know. See, all of this don't you don't get marked for that. So I made them like a chicken with um potatoes, potatoes and, and carrots. Obviously, they got onto me for my carrots. Yeah, I heard and about then that. Dessert, <laughs> what was wrong with them? Um, they said they were a bit too hard, man. They said a bit too hard. Personally, I, I don't, I don't like mine too soft. But at the same time, I'm on the mad. I'm just trying to do my thing, man. Mm. And cooking's different on camera. I'm telling you, man. Because I had to do a cooking thing quite recently. In fact, last week actually. Yeah, literally last week at the time of recording this. And again, lights, camera, it, cooking when you it's just much different to cooking alone in silence to cooking and having to talk through what you're doing. It's a different kettle of fish. You know, pun intended. <laughs> now I can imagine, bro. Like when I'm in the kitchen, I kind of just want to be myself, be by myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah like not, I don't want cameras in there and saying, "Oh, yeah, this is what I'm doing." Like, nah, you just want to do it, man. So, yeah, it must be yeah, a completely and at the same different. Time, take. When you're cooking, yeah, and when you're cooking for the show, you're not cooking this. There's processes of the way they got to do it for the film, the way they film it, and the, you don't cook in the same way, essentially, man. It's, it's not. It's a lot different. Okay. Yo, 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 it's Diwali. Okay, you're listening to the Get to Know podcast. So, uh, on to your next TV appearance. So, The Apprentice. So, um, yeah, when I saw you, on, when I, I saw the like the little um, your little intro, and you was like, yeah, and uh, I'm a fun guy, but I'm not a mushroom, and bro, that sort of thing. I was <laughs> yeah, like, that's my boss still. Yo, I, I was watching your thing, and I was like, yo, I want this guy to win, man. Like, I, you just, I took to you immediately, man. But um, yeah, so talk to me about you know what it was like applying and, and getting onto getting onto the show. I mean, what you can say about the whole yeah. process, anyway. Yeah. So the reason I applied again, going back to events business, it started in twenty fourteen, and one of my best months for running the events used to be a September fourth, freshers week, as you can imagine. January when people get back, and April. April used to be banging for some reason. Lord, stop being as banging over the years. But yeah, so like my first January twenty fifteen. I was in Australia, but I was in Sydney, Australia, yeah, having events going in the UK and they were popping. That's how that's the extent how popping the events were. I used to be not in the country, I was in Sydney with the girlfriend I had at the time, and events in the UK would be popping. So every January used to be great events, but then over the years, 2015, 2016, 2017, there used to be a downhill. And over time I was like, right, this this can't run anymore. So the final straw was January 2018 poor set of events i remember getting back obviously the nightclub events it's night life, night nightlife i remember driving back getting to my house thinking man yo i need a change man because there's a trend here like january's our best month and our january's are you know not being as good something needs to change and i remember being on twitter there's a theme here man there's a theme being on twitter i didn't get a dm this time or i didn't get a mention this time but i saw apply for the apprentice da, 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 da. 
And I thought to myself, you know, why not? I need a change in it, so why not? So January 2018, I remember it was like the, the deadline. I was thinking the closing deadline was like midnight. I must have applied at 11.52, do you know what I mean? I probably had eight minutes to spare. Uh. Like if, if my broadband cut out, it would have been peak, do you know what I mean? So like I had eight <laughs> minutes. Then I thought to myself, let me not leave that to 11.59 just in case. 11.52, I can still run to my neighbours, you know what I mean? Worst case scenario. So I thought, let me apply 11.52, not 11.59. Give me that extra eight minutes. And um, yes, that's why I applied for the show. And then, yeah. That's how I got, that's how I applied. And then you go through the process and then gone. Okay. So, um, what was it, what was it like then? Um, with, uh, I mean, were there any surprises? Like, is there anything that you can say that maybe that we wouldn't know about? That's a little, that would be interesting. So, I mean, it wasn't any, uh, as you, as you said, this, this isn't my first rodeo. Like I've done TV before. Cause I remember when we first got there, right? Of course you don't see the other candidates. I didn't see the other, I was one of 16. I didn't see them until, you know, into that first boardroom, that scene, that literally what you seen. So I didn't know it. I didn't see them never that first time I met them in the waiting, but you know, the reception bit. And then I remember on, in the cars or back in the house, at some point people are like, wow, man, I wonder how my voice is going to sound or what's it like being on TV there from. I'm like, yo, this is, this, I'm like, it just made me realize that I, I am not, not. It didn't make me think that I'm gonna necessarily win. I just made me realize that right, I'm not. I've done this. I've been there, done that. Do you know what I mean? I've been there and done that. So um, it surprised a lot of people. That, that surprised them, like you know, the TV aspects and stuff like that. Because I've done, you know, the come down me or the BBC interview here or there. That kind of gave me a nice little stepping stone or kind of like a warm up, if you wanna call it that, for being on the, the biggest BBC One program, the flagship program of BBC One. So I never really had any surprises yeah. in a sense like that. Okay. And uh, overall, how did you find the experience? Overall, it wasn't... I, I preferred the beginning weeks, put it that way. I preferred, you know, the, I came out week seven. So like week one, great. Week two, great. Week three, great. And week four onwards or whatever week onwards, it kind of got less and less great for me in a sense. Like, I got more and more intense. Um... As you can see, I, I'm not a mushroom, but I'm a fun guy. Do you get what I mean? I'm I'm, I'm a happy-go-lucky. But and when it, when the competition really got intense, when the when the, when the oven got turned up, if you can't take the heat out of the kitchen, kind of thing, it's like, oh man, I'm not having as much fun anymore. Because obviously the stakes are rising. I remember when the first couple of people started going to home, you start seeing the empty bed. It's like, oh shit, then this is this is this this is real. Do you get what I mean? And then it got more. Not bitchiness or competitive, it just got a lot more tense between people generally, do you get what I mean? So I did enjoy it more so towards the beginning. And as the weeks got on, it got more a bit more cutthroat, if you want to call it that. Yeah. When it is like that, can people kind of differentiate like the home life and the work life? Because obviously everyone wants to win the show. So it's like you might be saying like you might get called into the final boardroom and you're saying this and that about the other people but it's more time it's not personal it's just it's just you know you want to win this but maybe people once once you go back to the house is it a bit like now nah, you said all this and, and that about me so we ain't cool or is it <laughs> a lot just like you know what now nah, I, I understand bro it's that's business that's done now we're in the house it's cool now see i wish i took more of the latter part of what you said in the fact that this business is cool now da, 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 da. but for me I'm, but i think i was more the approach of raw you did that like i think my, i think my road life and like we don't let things die do you know what i mean it's like raw you really you really I say no more, you know, it's like, I say no more in it, just say no more in it. Like, I, catch you, I catch you in the shower, do you know what I mean? Like, see, you, I turn off the, the water on your shower room, do you know what I mean? Like, it, wasn't, it wasn't that intense, but I think I, I wish I had more towards that side of it. Whereas, um, 
one of the big things for me, I didn't want to win, of course I didn't, but I didn't want to win at the expense of anyone else. So I wanted to win because I was great. I wanted to, I wanted my house to be the biggest house, not because I told on everyone else's house. If that made sense. So um Yeah. Yeah, so I feel that maybe I should have yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to switch off. Definitely, it's hard, definitely hard to switch off. Especially you're in that apprentice bubble twenty four seven. You know what I mean? It's like if you have a beef at your work right now, I mean of course lockdown. But if you have beef at work, typically you leave the office. You're not seeing that person again until nine a.m. Unless you really don't like them, you butt them at the house at nine p.m. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so it is different in that sense. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like when I see you on the show, it's like. I don't like you're a sick guy and that, but I just, you you don't seem you don't have that sort of um, you know that sort of cutthroat sort yeah, of it, I don't it doesn't it doesn't strike me as you like the, you ain't the typical person that that goes on the, on that show like but yeah I don't know yeah so I mean when I when I got fired like what, you know you get fired I got fired in week seven you know they send you to the hotel you like for the first time you're on your own in a hotel room you've got no phone come on bear in mind you like we don't have any tech do you know what I mean you're where where we're naked technology wise if you want to call it that so I remember when I got fired I'm sitting in a hotel room in Shepherd's Bush thinking yo did I get fired because I'm too much of a nice guy that rang bells in my head like for I'm having not sleepless nights but I'm thinking yo I'm too much of a I need to be more more like, not to say Khadija and them are bad, I need to be more like Jackie, I need to be more like Khadija, because they're more, they're sick business women and they just don't, they don't put up with nothing, they're just like, yeah, yeah. I'm too smiley, man, I need to start smiling more, you, you start to question, it's like when you have a breakup with your girlfriend leaves you, thinking, man, I should have been like this, why did she leave, it's, just, it's a similar, you do have a similar grieving period like that, like, you know, I thought, am I too nice, to the dirt, but then I remember when I got brought back for the final for week 12, and bear in mind, I'm at the process for 8, 9, 10, 11, so I'm having no idea what's happening. But then I remember when we bust the corner to see the two finalists and I saw Camilla and Sean standing there. And then as soon as I saw them standing there, the penny dropped like, you can be a nice person in business. Because when I saw them two standing there, they were, I didn't expect it because they were two of the nicest people in my series during the show. So then I thought, when I was saying to I thought to myself, I'm too nice. So when I saw them standing there and I saw Khadija and Jackie or all the people who are more, don't put up with it. When I saw them fired like me, I was like, right. That was a, a massive epiphany for me right there that you can be nice in business and win. Was it a pleasant feeling thinking, okay, I, I don't, you know, the way I am is cool. I can be successful without changing my personality. Was that a relief? Yeah, it was a relief. It was a relief. I mean, of course, it's not the real world. In real life, you do have to be a bit more. Because even with me doing my events business, if I'm negotiating a deal for one of my coaches, I've got to really put my foot down and say, I ain't, no, I ain't paying this. No more. Take it or leave it. You do have, you do have to have a bit of that. But it was a, it was a relief. It was a relief. And then follow, the following year after, um, it was Karina and Scarlett in the final again. Two lovely. I've, I've spoken to. I've met. I've spoken. I've never met them. But I've spoken to Scarlett before. I think I've spoken with Karina here and there, not in person, but they're two of the nicest people as well. So again, it is a bit of a relief that you don't have to be this dragon, you know, in business. You can just be a good person. Yeah. Not to say that anyone else is not a good person. You know, some people are a bit more, like I say, they just don't put up with S word. You get what I mean? Mm. So what's it like doing the tasks and that? Is it, do you, is it enjoyable or is it tense? I mean, you've got Karen and Claude watching as well. Like, how, talk me through that. I think it depends on the type of task. Like for me, the, my favorite type of tasks are the ones which are public facing, whether it's selling, whether it's pitching, whether it's public speaking, whether it's 
stuff like that. So I think depending on the task, depending on the whether what I thought about it. So it's nothing to do with the task itself. It's more about what the task is, whether I like it generally. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So you have a nice, you have a good variety of tasks. You have a good variety. Towards the beginning, of course, it's a lot more harder because there's more people trying to get their words in, a bit more da 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 da. And then towards the end, it's it's like a U shape. At the beginning, it's kind of hard. I don't know if people can see me or not, but anyway. U-shape, imagine the top half of the U, the top bit of the U, you know, intense because there's a lot of people trying to get their voice in. Then it kind of dips when people start to go. But then ironically, when there's even more people go, it gets even harder because there's few of you. It's harder to get your voice in. There's only a few people in, do you know what I mean? So that aspect of it can be quite hard as well, depending, irrelevant on what the task is. You're listening to the Get to Know podcast. Yeah, because you know what, it's a bit of a, um, yeah, I'm curious because you know when it's the early stages, like mm. week one, two, three, like there are a lot of people there. So I guess the odds are in your favor, maybe of you not going home. So I guess, but I guess there's maybe a balance of wanting to do really well and shine, but also not just not putting yourself in the, in the way of the firing line. Is that the case or? See, run back by me again. I like the way you put that, run that by me again. Yeah, so at the start, when there's like 16 of you, 15, yeah. 14, like the odds of you going home, it's like they're, it's in your favour because only one of you is going to go and, you know, mm. you could, you know what I'm saying? So there's probably less chance of you going home, but at the same time, you kind of want to be able to put your name forward and kind of make a name cool. for yourself. But when it gets later on in the show... When there's less of you, there's more of a chance. There's more of a chance for maybe a double firing. So you kind of maybe it's more important that you don't get things wrong. Um, so at the, how do you kind of how do you kind of deal with that balance? Because I guess at the start you don't want to do anything wrong, um, but then at the end you kind of also don't want to do anything wrong. But you've got to in between that you've got to be doing something to kind of stand out and make yourself yeah, look good. And, yeah. See, at the beginning, for me, I was just gassed to be there. As soon as the first boardroom came, I, what, was my, what was my bar? I said, has someone put fleas in this seat because I'm itching to go? Yeah, I just, <laughs> I was just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm ready to just, I'm, re- I'm just ready to body everything. I'm looking, at, I'm here to body this. Like, I, I'm just looking to crack angles, as my dad used to say. When I used to play football, my dad used to shout on the sideline, crack angles. I'm like, yo, crack angles. He seems like a good you. I think he's a good you. No, crack angles. So I've gone into boardroom thinking, I'm about, to, I'm about to body someone here. I don't know who it's going to be. But then I remember, like, I didn't want anyone to get fired either. <laughs> you know I, mean? I, thought, I thought too nice. I thought, I thought harsh. And I'm like, oh, no, I didn't got to go home. Like, you, you just, I'm like, Lord, you, you just got here kind of thing. So I just feel a bit <laughs> tight. Like, so that's why it was torn between me. Because on one side, I'm looking to body this. At the same time, like, raw, like, he seemed like a good you. <laughs> like, I don't want him to go. Like, then I felt bad when someone got fired on my side. I'm like, oh, man. So for me, it's hard in that sense to try and um, have that kind of resistance within me. Yeah. And uh, what were what were the guys like to work with in terms of Nick? Uh, sorry, Caro and Claude, Lord Sugar. Well, you definitely been watching the show for years if you mentioned Nick oh. Hewer, you know. <laughs> You've been a fan of the show for years when Nick, you know, I didn't even mention Nick. Yeah, so obviously Nick used to be one of... Um, Nick used to do what... Um, oh, Nick and Margaret way before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, they're cool, man. I, I used to prefer Claude following me around. Uh, Karen used to be scary for me. I don't know why, man. Karen just like, I don't know, man. Karen, I'll try, I'll try and crack a little joke here or there, see if Karen smiles, but she ain't smiling. I'm like, oh shit, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, maybe she would, she didn't find me funny kind of thing. 
to him. Obviously, you know, she's just a you know stern. Do you know what I mean? You know, serious. Yeah. Karen's serious. It's hard to try. I like to try and warm up to them. I, Karen wasn't letting me, but then, of course, when it all finished, she was a warm, lovely person. But um, they, they were cool, man. I used to definitely prefer Claude following me. Definitely. I can imagine Claude being a bit worse to have you following around. Nah, I don't know, man. It's just. Claude's serious, know, man. man. Like. No, I didn't mind Claude still. I didn't mind Claude. Claude could follow me still. Claude had my, not yet had my back, but I remember sending the donuts. Claude was feeling me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to mention that. Claude Karen, was... Like, like, Karen, I was even got up into the little waist. I, I, but not waist. I into the little wine. You know, I mean, we were designing the shoes and Karen was laughing at me whining. So I was like, oh, man, Karen, you know what? Is it my waist? Like, am I not pelting my hip enough? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so, um, yeah. Uh, what was it like working with Lord Sugar? What's he like? Well, I've never, I've never worked with him. I've never. Really, <laughs> yeah, I guess working with him. Yeah, but like in terms of on the show, what's he? Yeah, he's cool, yeah. man. Yeah, I like him. He's cool, man. I definitely felt a sense of warmth from him whenever I feel like whenever I spoke. Like I, I definitely felt a connection with him. And even when he had to tell me off, quote unquote, uh, you know when your mum and dad tell you off, they don't really want to do it, but they have to because you. I felt that from him. So even when he was criticizing me, I felt like he, oh, Kyrie, I don't wanna. It's like when he says, oh, Kyrie, I don't wanna have to say this, but you shouldn't have done this. But I felt like he didn't want to. I definitely felt a connection from him. But in saying that, I've never spoke to him since. You know what I mean? Never spoke to him since. So. Uh, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned Claude. Like I remember he was picking you up, man. Especially in that donut task. Like, yeah, yeah, man. Yes, yeah, he's kind of. It's. It, I think it's, it speaks a lot about you that Claude rated you so highly because he appears to rate no one, man. Like he's. Yeah, <laughs> like he was savage. I remember before he actually was before he was um, on the show regularly uh, as one of Lord Sugar's aides. Like the interview, um, and everyone knew about Claude. Everyone was is yeah. there's that yeah, clip yeah. from a, I think a year or two beforehand where he just shoots down that that brother where he's um, he shoots down his business plan. So for him to kind of rate you so highly, that that speaks a lot about you, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Claude was a serious interviewer before he was the aide, so yeah, definitely. But in saying that, coming into that, but in saying that, I just thought, you know, I never saw him once as that interviewer, actually. Just, I, I just thought about it. I've never once saw him as Claude the serious interviewer. I just saw him, I just saw him as this bald-headed seven-year-old, <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't really see him as this serious interview. I just thought, all right, this is Claude, like, see Lord, mm. you know what I mean? I just say, I'm just trying to see Lord. Yeah, you know what? I kind of, you do get to see a little bit of a, a different side to him when, he, when he's working as an aide. Like, he's not, he doesn't have to be a savage. Uh, although he can be. Mm. Yeah. But then saying, like, even going to support him, seeing Lord Sugar, I didn't see him as, as Lord Sugar. In fact, I, I used to get told off for calling him Alan. I used to be like, yo, Alan. You called him Alan? Karen, <laughs> I used to call him Alan all the time. Karen used to like, his name's, his name's Lord Sugar. I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry, Alan. Do you know what I mean? So, you know what I mean? So I just see him as yeah. him. Like, I see people as the people, do you know what I mean? I just see them as the people rather than them. Yeah, best thing, man. So, who was your favourite co-contestant? Ooh, my favourite co-contestant. See, if I mention his name, cause he, he got fired quite early, you see, but I really got on roll with Rick, man. Like, I, I just I just I just like Rick, man. Rick was funny, like Rick gave me these bars. Like Rick used to say to me, like, oh, you got it. And I don't want to do his accent. He lives in Chorley, so even near near Blackburn, so he's got one of them Lancashire accents. I'm not even gonna try and mock it, but um it's more funny when he says in, in his accent. So if, I, if if you don't laugh saying when I say this, it's because it's not in his accent. So I'm defend, I'm putting out my white flag from now. But he used to be like to me, oh you, if you don't live life on the edge, you're taking up too much room. I mean, all little things like that. It used to be funny and like, and he used to be like, and then we used to be doing laundry in the house. Obviously, you've got to do laundry. And, he, and I remember one of the first time Rick did laundry. He goes, rah, 
I've got it in my laundry now. Usually I have this magic box in my room where I put my dirty clothes in and three days later they've come back folded in my wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So just little things like that. So Ricky, yeah, man, obviously yeah, I know yeah. not many people remember it because he got out kind of early, but obviously I spent more time with him. But yeah, Rick, man. And then, yeah, yeah, definitely. Or if not, then Sabrina, man. I definitely, I definitely love Sabrina on the show. Oh, you know who was so funny? Curran. Curran was something else. Oh, man. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he came out, what, a week or two before me, but yeah, yeah. Oh, he was, uh, like, I remember when I was doing my research for this, I, I got down a bit of a rabbit hole and it was like, his best moments, right? What a character, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. But, um, Obviously, it didn't end up how you wanted it to. You didn't get, you didn't win. But you became a bit of a cult hero on that show. I think everyone, everyone liked you. Like I remember, I was reading something and an, an article from um, when it, when the show was on, and it was like a review, and it was like a oh, coyote who's by far the most normal person in there. So I think a lot of people, a lot of people related to you, man. Did you think that would be the case? At the time, I mean. Not at the time, I just being me, I didn't, I didn't, again, I wasn't trying to be anyone, I wasn't trying to play a role, I just literally just being myself, so maybe I can see why, because maybe I don't, I don't, this is, I'm, it's weird, I'm a professional speaker, but I'm not the best spoken, maybe in a sense that I, you know, I, I stumble my words, etc, so maybe it's because I'm just literally just normal, quote unquote, whatever that means, what they say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely, because one thing that stood out about me is like, about you, sorry, is um like you know in in the in the taxi on the way back everyone's like yeah Lord Sugar's made a big decision here he's made a big mistake here like he's gonna, gonna regret this so I'm gonna be you know the next big thing that's what, like all the time that's what people say and then you was like yeah man I'm just looking forward to going home and see my cat and I was like yeah. oh that's my guy man like that's <laughs> that, that was the truth though I was like I was like yeah this one is <laughs> you know what I mean I just I just say you know it isn't not the typical Lord Sugar's gonna regret this but he probably won't regret you know? well, he probably won't that's what I say all the time <laughs> all, I'm, I'm thinking every time they say that I'm watching it and I'm like bro even if you go and smash it yeah like you're probably not gonna be as rich as Lord Sugar like he's He's not gonna be thinking, oh, you know what, that one, nah, bro. Lord is set for life, bro. He's he ain't regretting anything. So yeah, man. It, when you said when you said that, I was like, yeah, man. This is yeah. this is just a genuine guy. I think that was the only time I watched you fired like, that series. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's I never really banged out the show watching it too tough before mine, so I didn't know what to say. I didn't know these are the typical things people say. Do you know what I mean? So I just said, what do you? Yeah, I just look forward to see my cat. <laughs> I never said that, man. That's hilarious, man. <laughs> so, can you talk to me about how the experience benefited you? I think the main benefit is is um is the publicity that I've had since. Of course, like you wouldn't, you didn't know who I was before uh, December of twenty eighteen or whenever it, whenever it came out in twenty eighteen. So, I guess that has helped the mainly because, especially my my the things that I've done. The things that I do, sorry, it's been public facing, especially the speaking aspect. So it's kind of put me out there a bit more. So I think that's the main thing. Um, I guess in the, in the in 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 an ego way, in a sense that you get invited to a lot more of these celebrity quote unquote parties and you know meeting these celebrities quote unquote. That that's nice. But I think the main thing for me is just the, um, what it's done for me, giving me that platform. So uh, what you've been doing since being on the show? So since the show, so when it stopped in, you know what it is, I still feel like, I've been in lockdown, I still felt like I was on the show all the way up until 2020, you know, even when the other guys one came on, like the year after, man, because I still been getting told, like, oh, Cody, like, took on too soon, I still getting at it kind of thing, but as soon as the show done, it's essentially 
my professional speaking, so my bookings went through the roof. I had more bookings in that one year afterwards than I had done in my whole life. So bookings went through the roof and, you know, doing, again, quote unquote, doing influencer stuff, do you get what I mean? You know, working with different brands and stuff like that. That's what it's been primarily, and that's literally run up until, literally up until lockdown. I still, even during, I still, I still get things like, oh, from the show, do this, do that, do you know what I mean? So it's been mostly, it's mostly my speaking and um, doing stuff with brands and stuff. And then during lockdowns, after lockdown, because of lockdown, I've, I've doubled down more on my cryptocurrency, my man investing. Okay, yeah, so I do actually want to speak to you about that. So I know you've taken, um, you know, you've, you've taken an interest in it. I listened to your podcast on it um, recently as well. Um, well, I did a podcast on it, did I? Yeah, it was like a 20 minute episode just talking about, yeah, just talking about why you should get into crypto. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that now still, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, can you talk about how you got into that? So, I got into it in 20, so it's in 2017 when I when I first got involved. You know, I only picked up, I doubled down in it because of lockdown, because we ain't going anywhere. So, I doubled down on it since then. But I've been investing and trading since 2017. And I got into it because I remember it was in the summertime and it was in the gym, right? It was in the summer of 2017. No Twitter involved this time. It's called cool. No Twitter this time. And um, this guy who just comes to the gym, yo, he needs to check out this cryptocurrency thing. I'm thinking, man, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to bench press, like, yo, I'm just, I'm just, I'm trying, I'm trying to do my set. You know what I mean? I'm trying, to, I'm just trying to do my set. Like, no, man, he needs to be doing this crypto thing. Every, every, every day I'm going to the gym. The next day, crypto. The next week, okay, he looked at the crypto. Like, no, man, I'm just trying to kill my chest on the bench. He's just killing my head with all of this knowledge. See what I mean? So I said, you know what? I'm gonna look into it. You know, I'll look into it. Thinking, yo, this is this is nuts. I can't understand this. This is mad. Do you know what I mean? Next day, Kyle, crypto, crypto. So the whole of the summer 2017, getting onto me, crypto, onto me, crypto. And then the, the 2017 bull run is when I actually just got involved. I thought, you know what? I don't know how it works, but I'm just gonna put money in and then see how it goes. And then yeah, so ever since then, that guy in the gym, we just stuck it on me every time. I'm trying to get him to to, to spot me. Do you know what I mean? If he's spotting me, putting a bar down, crypto, bang. You know what I mean? So because of him, I'm so grateful for him to him now though, because it's definitely not changed my life, but it's definitely changed my, like, it's just on a madness, you know what I mean? So that's, he got me onto it still, so shouts out to him. I wish, I wish I, I wish I started way before, earlier in 2017, even before that. And then so obviously during 2020, um, so even throughout, I remember when we got onto the show, like with the other candidates, like what do you do, da, da, da. I remember speaking to, I think it was Daniel or someone, we're in Heathrow, not Heathrow, Whatever airport we was coming back from Malta or whatever it was, and I remember telling him about crypto, da, 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 telling me about I think he got involved in crypto as well. And yeah, but in twenty twenty, so yeah, well, I definitely just doubled down, doubled down. So how did you? What did you do when you decided that you wanted to get into it? So firstly, what I did was when he used to tell me about the gym, I used to try and do. You know, they say D Y O R, do your own research. But I, I'm from a school of thought about you learn best when you got money involved, man. When your money involved in something, you learn quick. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> like when your money's not involved in something, like you, you learn, you learn passively. But once you invested, once you've invested, like literally, literally, literally invested your time and money into this, you're like, yo, I need to learn how this thing works, you know. So um, in in so when he when he first told me about in the summer, I was trying to look into it myself. And when I just put my money in, I was like, right, just I get it now. Do you know, I understand how it moves? Do you know what I mean? I just get it, and I just did it from there, man. But then what I find is that it's, it's such a massive space and one of the fastest growing asset classes in the history of the human race that there's so much to learn all the time. Even now, I'm learning new stuff. You know, NFTs. NFTs weren't really out when I first did 
when I first invested in crypto in 2017. There's things moving all the time. DeFi, decentralized finance, that wasn't that really picked up speed in 2020. That wasn't out really too tough when I first started. There's always things to learn. So yeah, I'm enjoying it, man. I'm definitely enjoying the ride. Sick. So uh, what would you say to someone um, that's looking to get into it? What would, what's important for them to consider? Boy, where do we start? I feel like it's a whole episode in itself, man. Like, where do you start? Well, first, you might as well just take my course, man. Like, I've got a nice um, newsletter I send out every Tuesdays. I've got, a, I'm not, I should not have said every Tuesday, because if I want to do it Wednesday now, I've kind of just stuck it, <laughs> stuck it in there. But every week, I've got a newsletter I send out every week. I've also got a course that I've done, and I've also, um, yes, yeah, so I help people out as well. So the first thing I think to do is, boy, where do I even start, man? The well, first thing to do is to understand how much you can afford to lose. I think that's the main thing. I think one of the main things is you don't want to lose money. So what, so even before, I think even before getting into cryptocurrency, I think the first thing I would do is to sort out your own finances yeah. first. Sort out your own finances first, figure out how much do you need to live, whether it's rent, whether it's mortgage, whether you're living at home, whether it's how much you spend on, sort out your own personal finances first, and then look into cryptocurrency. That's what I would do. So I wouldn't necessarily even go to cryptocurrency first. I'll sort out my own pan, my own personal finances first and then realize where do you want to go because cryptocurrency is a high risk asset class. So you might not you might not be risk adverse with something so high risk. You might want to be take more of a medium risk. So for me, I divide my investments into three ways. My low risk investments, my medium risk investments, and my high risk investments. So I have three different pots. So you might want to do your split. And how we want to split, you might want to do 50% in low risk, 25-25 or whatever you want to do. So figure out how much of your investment pot and then how far much you want to break it down into cryptocurrency. That's what I'll do. Just sort out your own finances first and then figure out where you want to go into cryptocurrency. And then um, I'll go to maybe if you're depending on your, depending on how new you are or how your experience are, look at Coinbase, man. This is definitely a good start. Coinbase, uh, really just get your feet wet. Now I encourage people to look at a Coinbase platform just to get your feet wet. Okay, cool. And so I know Bitcoin's like the most popular one, but do you think, can you say some of the ones that maybe, this isn't you saying go and invest in these, but what are are some other currencies that people should be looking at? So I think the reason, I think the reason Bitcoin throws a lot of people, they see, they see the pace or they see, no, sorry, even before they just see Bitcoin's roughly what, $50,000 at the time of this interview. It'd be very interesting to listen back to this in a year to see how it's moved. So I think one of the big mistakes people people make is that they see Bitcoin at 50k, and they assume that 50k has got anything to do with them. Where it's not, because you're you're not necessarily buying. You don't necessarily have to buy a whole Bitcoin for 50k, or even when it was 10k, or even when it's 30k, 40k. You're not buying a whole Bitcoin, and, and people get excited because it's such a big number. And then you see the other smaller altcoins, which maybe cost 30p or or 20p or a pound, two pound, 10, 30 pound, 100 pound. And but you're attracted to Bitcoin at 50k, whereas you can invest in the smaller altcoins with a, with a smaller market cap, costing like 30p, and make a lot more money with them than your big than your big Bitcoin. If you're looking to double your money, understand that if you invest in Bitcoin today for 50k, for you to double your money, Bitcoin will need to go to 100k. Whereas for you to double your money on an altcoin cost 30p, that just needs to go to 60p. So the the, the bigger the market cap, so Bitcoin's one of its the biggest market cap. That takes a lot, that's, that's a lot harder, that is a lot harder for it to flip, to double, whereas the smaller altcoins 
can double, triple, quadruple in a, in a, in a smaller space of time, but they might be more risky. So there's so, there's so many, man. I don't know where, where to start. There's so many different coins to look at other than Bitcoin, but Bitcoin's a good store. People are saying Bitcoin can be a good store of value as a digital gold. So use it as a store of value because if you've got your money still in pounds, you're, you're losing money due to um, inflation. Like a pound today costs less than a pound yesterday. So you can use Bitcoin as a store of value, but don't sleep on the altcoins, definitely. Okay. Any particular altcoins that people may should maybe be looking at? Chainlink, Cardano. I'm just I'm just thinking about some in my portfolio now. My portfolio is mad, do you know what I mean? But there's so... Um, yeah, Link, Litecoin, Ethereum. Um, Ethereum, in fact, you might want to look into Ethereum a bit more because Ethereum's going for a change in a minute. It's going to Ethereum 2.0. But it's no, there's so many, man. There are so many, literally. Again, in my Tuesday newsletter that I send out, again, I said the day of, I think if I changed it today to Wednesday, but Tuesday newsletter, I give, I give a beginner's port, I give a beginner portfolio guide to that. So if you are interested, you know, sign up to my Tuesday newsletter. Okay, sweet. So uh, do you think the end of fiat currency is in sight? Not in uh, how fast the sight. You need, a, I think, you need a telescope to see it at the end of sight. It's definitely not. It's definitely not the end in sight to the naked eye. You definitely need like a, a microscope. You need like a telescope to see it. But it's definitely not anytime soon, because uh, as asset class, cryptocurrency is still too. I think it's too volatile to be used for purchases. If if the pound dollar everything went went, went away today, I think Bitcoin's too volatile to be used as a currency as it stands right now because. You know, you, you've seen the first Bitcoin transaction was to buy pizzas, you know, and he spent like 10,000 Bitcoin on that, you know, that's like worth billions today. So it's too, it's too volatile as an asset class to replace fiat currencies. Right now, in my opinion, I feel it still needs to mature. So it's only been around, what, 10 plus years. So I don't think there's going to be the end of, of fiat currencies just of yet. But I do think that with the rise of cryptocurrencies, people are looking at the fiat currencies and questioning it like, oh, you know, you're seeing where the flaws are. Uh, now we're going to just head off into the trivia sections so i've decided to go with your topic as apprentice but they're not they're not necessarily they're, they're around the apprentice basically all right so five questions we'll see how you get on yeah all right so first question who was the first contestant to leave uh, apprentice series 14 which was yours oh oh sarah burn man sarah man shout out to sarah. correct all right, that was an easy start for you. I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, Sarah, man. Yeah, I mean, like, I felt bad. I never even got to meet Sarah. I didn't get. I don't think I ever spoke to Sarah. Maybe I keep saying she doesn't live too far from me. I just need to get in my car and drive to her house with permission, of course, <laughs> with permission. But you know, I never got to speak to her on the show. I never got to really speak to her. Um. Next question. Lord Sugar has a net worth of approximately how much? Is it A, eight hundred million? B, 1.4 billion, or C, 1.9 billion? 1.4 billion. That is correct. Nice one. 1.4 billion. All right, next question. So, Karen Brady was just 23 years old when she became the managing director of which football club? Is it A, West Ham? Birmingham. Oi, Birmingham oh, City. You're going to say Birmingham City? Yeah, sorry, I didn't really... Yeah, I was going to say Birmingham, sorry. Was that one of the... It was one of the... Yeah, that was the answer that. You killed it, man. Fair play. Yeah, sorry. I jumped down. Sorry. I just... Sorry, I didn't... So I, I didn't realise you gave me the money. Wait, if you know the answer before the uh, before I read it, go for it. 
fair enough, fair enough. In what year was the first series of The Apprentice? Is it 2005? Jeez, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should have told me I could jump the gun. If you told me to jump the gun, I'll jump the whole cannon. You know what I mean? So, yeah. All right, last question. So, out of these previous winners, Tom Pellero, Ricky Martin, and Dr. Leah Totten, which business has the highest value? Oh, see, I can't jump the gun on this one. I have Leah, Tom, and Ricky. See, I don't think... See, I'm basing on injury. I don't think it's Leah. No disrespect to Leah, even though she's in my DMs. <laughs> um, Ricky, he does... Recruitment, I don't think it'll be it could be recruitment, you know. It could be recruitment because that's just such a massive injury. At the same time, Tom's done a madness with his inventions. I'm gonna say Tom. I'm gonna say Tom. That was correct. Five out of five. Yeah, <laughs> five out of five. I'll take that still. Smashed it, and I think only one of the guests has got five out of five so far. So. Really? Okay. Tell them yeah. all to fight him because we're <laughs> one on one arm wrestle. Do you know what I mean? Or her, or her. <laughs> no, it's a him. That's <laughs> oh, him. Yeah, man. Yo, that was sick. All right, man. Um, before we wrap things up, do you have any last words you want to leave to the listeners? I'm cool, man. I mean, last words for them. <laughs> I thought you meant last words I want to ask you, but last words for them. I'll say, yeah, just... I understand this has been a, la- a difficult last year. You know, it's been a difficult last year. Even the beginning of 2021 has been quite difficult for some people because we're still having the residual effects of 2020. But it's like we said at the beginning, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and I'm encouraging people to keep going and keep going. You made it this far already. Don't give up now. Nice. And yeah, you want to tell the people where they can find you? Find me in my house. <laughs> not joking, they come to my <laughs> Lockdown. But you can find me on my social medias at Coyote Damali. I've kind of simplified them now. I've got my banner behind me, which you might be able to see, but I've kind of simplified it now. It's at Coyote Damali on all platforms. All right. So how, how can they um, subscribe to the newsletter? So go to... In fact, just go to my Instagram, the link's in bio. That'd be easier, just Instagram, link's in bio from my main Instagram. Okay, bless. Howdy, honestly, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks again for joining me. And uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed this. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Ian. It's been fun for me too, man. All right, good. I'm glad. All right, respect, bro. You're listening to the Get To Know podcast. Yeah, I had to let the beat run a little bit longer there still. Shout out man like Jay. I, I think I don't I think I will always be bigging up Jay for this beat. Like it's just shout him out man. Also big shout out to Coyote. 
Bruv, I enjoyed that so much. I don't think I've like cracked up in an interview more than that, man. Yeah, man, shout him out. You know where to find him. Kyle did Damali on all platforms. Check out the visuals for this as well. Not gonna lie, he outdid me still. I rocked up to my podcast with a fresh trim and a blazer on. And there's me, six months, no trim. It reminded me of the Royal Wedding. Um, Harry and Meghan, when David Beckham just rocked up looking fresh. And everyone on Twitter just like, yo, you look at him, yo, he's sauce, look at the sauce. But now, man, big him up, looking fresh. Anyway, the TV show this week I want to recommend is called The Serpent. Now, this show is hard, man. You can find this on BBC iPlayer. It's like six episodes, I think. It's based on a true story. It's set in like Asia. Like I think it's Th- yeah Thailand predominantly, and Nepal as well. So it's based on the true story of a guy. His name's Charles Sobraj, and he he basically just poisons people like and steals their passports. That's predominantly the show. So yeah, he you know he'll befriend people, usually tourists. You know, um, this is back in the days when it's known as the hippie trail. So, you know, people would travel, the Westerners would travel over and do like the tour of, of Southeast Asia. And yeah, so he'd befriend these people and he would often drug them and they'd be poisoned, sometimes worse. So yeah, man, check it out. I think the fact it's true stories, it's like, it makes it even more interesting yeah definitely definitely check that out six show it's on the iPlayer but I saw something about it coming onto Netflix um, so yeah iPlayer on Netflix The Serpent check that out alright that's it from me I want to say shout out to Larry David shout out to Jurgen Klopp And Piers Morgan is a waste man. See you next week. Safe.